God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this one, day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on with this election that uh, shouldn't be. Um, and part of it is institutional. It's it's uh, it's disturbing. Uh, we're losing our country before our very eyes. Forget about, I mean, well, we're not going to forget about, but, you know, we could talk all day about uh, all the anomalies, uh, how long it takes to count, and a whole host of other issues, problems. Uh, and they're always in these, these usual suspect states, these liberal states. And you just wonder, it's like, okay, is it on purpose? And, uh, you know, in some, in some ways, I, I really and truly think that it is on purpose um and so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens Uh, hopefully we have eyes on the ground but what's happening in maricopa for example uh where katie hobbs was supposed to get something like 17 she had a 17 percent turnout on election day and they have that information but yet when the results are coming back they're they're showing like Basically, uh, if she had 17% showing up, they're showing something in the neighborhood of a 46% turnout for her. Or 46% of the votes are coming. I think it was something like Carrie Lake was getting 54% on uh, votes where... It was reported that Katie Hobbs had a 17% turnout, which means that more than likely, Carrie Lake should have gotten somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 plus percent based on that math, 83% to be exact, if everybody voted party line. And that the independents were breaking for Katie Hobbs which, again, wasn't reflected in the polls. If you looked at the polls, the, the surveys, 
I mean, one of the one of the day of polls had Katie Hobbs fifty four percent to I mean I'm sorry Carrie Lake fifty four percent to Katie Hobbs forty three percent. That's an eleven point advantage. It, that's the polls. The polls would be indicating that. Forget about how much money was uh, spent on the election, where the Democrats outspent outspent the Republicans sometimes 10 to 1. And you say, well, how do they do that? Are they better fundraisers? Well, we got another story to tell you today that's going to be very revealing and eye-opening and uh, what that involves is a cryptocurrency company called FTX. And it turns out that this FTX company is basically a laundering company. Like making Zuckerbuck's measly $400 million investment in election fraud, chump change. So it says this is now, this is how the political elites launder money. Now listen to this. FTX, who lost $16 billion overnight, it's even affecting people like uh, Tom Brady, the great football player, and a lot of other people are going broke. But it says here, this is how this political elites, the political elites are laundering money. FTX is just one of the conduits. Democrats first, they approved tens of billions of dollars in military aid to Ukraine. Remember what I've been saying for months and months and months. I've been saying this money is unaccounted for. It's ending ending up in the hands of oligarchs. And the oligarchs are actually finding a way to distribute the money back into the pockets of politicians who are approving that money. Well, check this out. Democrats approved tens of billions of dollars in military aid to Ukraine. Ukraine then parked the money into FTX. So, you know, like we always in our minds are thinking, okay, that money ends up in some sort of a numbered Swiss account. Well, cryptocurrency and blockchain is really the new way that they're doing it. Instead of a Swiss account, you know, that's old fashioned thinking on my part, perhaps. But and, and I'm not an expert with blockchain and cryptocurrency and all this stuff, but it scares me. I know that it's a volatile investment. I would never trust it. And sure enough, this guy lost $16 billion overnight. And I don't think it's a good idea to invest in such things. But FTX sent those monies as donations back to the Democrats. So this dude, SPF and FTX... They even went as far as to have a $7 million holding called Trump Lose. Trump Lose. It was a, just a, a, an account. So SBF, uh, which is this guy's name, the guy's name is um, Sam Bankman-Fried. Okay? So he had uh, the second largest Democrat 
<clears throat> he was also the second largest Democrat donor. This takes TDS to a whole new level, it says. Rinse and repeat. So they're taking money, allocating it to Ukraine. Ukraine then takes the money that it's getting for the so-called war, right, against Russia. They're piling it up into an FTX account to the tune of this account at $16 billion in it. They're taking that money and they're redonating that back to candidates, all Democrat candidates, so that they have endless amounts of money taken out of your pocket so that your conservative dollars are going into their liberal slush funds through the name of cryptocurrency and then reinvesting back into Democrat candidates. Now, they had a much more transparent version of that back in the day. They still do. It was called teachers' unions. It was called Planned Parenthood, where these companies, these organizations would get $500 million a year or thing, those types of numbers. And then you would find out that they would invest in candidates, 99% of the time it was going to a Democrat candidate. <clears throat> the Financial Times writes this. In all, the spreadsheet says FTX Trading's assets were $900 million of liquid assets, $5.5 billion of less liquid assets consisting of crypto tokens, and $3.2 billion of illiquid Private equity investments. There is also an obscure $7 million holding called Trump Lose. There are no Bitcoin assets listed despite Bitcoin liabilities of $1.4 billion. So Trump Lose priced price live data. Trump Lose loses token. Trump Lose, it's called. One word. And it is a cryptocurrency and operates on the Ethereum platform. Trump loses token, has a current supply of zero. The last known price of Trump loses token is 0. 0.9731770 US dollars. So I don't know what that is. And is up 10 cents over the last 24 hours. Okay, so... That's FDX.com slash Trump dash tokens. It's crazy. The sophisticatedness of this. You know, Conservative Treehouse, they put together a really great analysis of the midterm elections. And it goes like this. The brutally honest review of the 2022 midterm election. Now, pay attention to this because this is a game changer and it's quite important because it is the reason why it is that you can get a Fetterman over Dr. Oz, basically a a brain, uh, a brain malfunctioning loser like Fetterman over a cardiac cardiologist, a, a heart surgeon in Pennsylvania. Part of it is money. 
part of it is rigged surveys and rigged systems. But there's another part, and it's the exploitation of COVID that led itself to this early voting. And the early voting into ballot harvesting. You know, and so that's what seems to be happening, right? So there's a lot of this. There's a lot of this um, where people aren't trying to win over your vote anymore. They're not trying to win over your vote. What they're trying to do is they're just trying to gather up the ballots because people aren't voting anymore. It's it's ballots that are voting. That's the sad, sad truth to the whole thing. So I was just looking for this uh, thing to read. And, uh, you know, I, I can't find what I'm looking for, actually. But, um, but basically, it's like this. I'm just going to go off of memory, I guess. Um, and... Uh, what it is, is that this new mass mail balloting, and it goes out. So basically, as I've been saying on this show, I've been saying this. I've been saying that one of the problems is that I've seen over the last three election cycles, and I've made a note of this, and I've, I have been saying this for years, and I suspected that it was part of a a broader strategy. And that is that all the big tech companies, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Google, they, what they have is they have this online registration. And I always was talking about the QuickBooks invoices, or you can only create an invoice if you have an account number. And so these illegals, part of the madness of it, is these illegals get an identity. And in many states, like in New York, they're voting. They're having legitimate votes on whether or not an illegal should be allowed to vote. In some counties, you're having more people voting than what's on the census. Because more people are living there who aren't on the census. Because illegals tend to not really want to participate but they get an ID. And the other part is, um, so these ballots get created in, in using the identification uh, information, so an ID number of some sort, even if it's Ill- illegal. Now, they're told they can't vote, and it's based on an honor system. So the ballot gets created by somebody, and the ballot gets created, it's like an invoice, like a QuickBooks invoice. And then that invoice gets, or that ballot, gets sent out. So the person gets registered to vote. They get an address. They didn't know that they registered to vote. They don't know their address, the address that's listed, because it was a bot, an automatic process, or a team of people. In a, in, a, in a data bank somewhere, just going through databases of names <clears throat> and registering these individuals. And then the ballot gets sent out to the address, could go to a warehouse for all we know. 
It could be a Democrat operation warehouse. And these ballots get sent to this warehouse. And they could even be pre-filled out. We've heard reports of ballots already being pre-filled out. So you don't even have to do that. It's just automatically printed up, put into an envelope, and mailed out, and all set to go. Ballot harvesters then pick up these ballots and drop them off in drop boxes 30 days out from an election. So if you're John Fetterman or if you're uh, Joe Biden, same difference, right? They're both really screwed up in the head. And here Joe Biden today is uh, meeting up with Xi Jinping in some big summit in Indonesia, in Bali. And you wonder how that's going to go. It's already, they've already met. But here's the thing. What we have here is we have no desire for the Democrats to show their faces. And they bank all the ballots that they would ever need so that then they can run the race and figure out how many ballots they need. And then all of a sudden, a batch of ballots comes in and they're all voting Democrat, and the Democrats win. And they are winning over 80% of the time when there's a late count, when, when you don't know the results of an election, five days after. And they only need them in close, they only need to cheat in these close races, the, the important ones. And let me tell you something, Arizona is a very important race. And the reason why is because if Carrie Lake were to get to be governor, what's going to happen there? Well, she's going to put a stop. She's going to declare an invasion, and she's going to put a halt to the immigration, uh, illegal migrants coming through, the illegals coming through her border. And she's also going to straighten up the election fraud, probably go to paper ballots, probably go to pre-pandemic rules. And insist on that. So that would be a tough situation for Democrats in a state like Arizona. So that's a kind of an interesting thing that they don't want to see her win. You know, and Laxalt, you know, again, got to be, got victimized by this whole assault on election fraud. These late ballots. Over 80% of the time, it's going in the favor of Democrats. And this, this, this shouldn't be. When you play any kind of game, it's a level playing field. But what, you're, what they're saying is, oh, all the um, Republicans vote on Election Day and all the Democrats vote you know, in the 30-day lead-up to the Election Day. <clears throat> well, that's, that's odd in, even in and of itself. It should be one day, one election day, not two. And we should take a listen. So we have a couple of different um, interviews uh, that I wanted to listen to. One was Stephen Miller and one is Carrie Lake, both of whom were on Maria Bartiroma yesterday and uh, on Sunday Morning Futures. And I, I actually want to listen to both of these clips. They're, they're quite good. Then we're going to get into a little bit more of this cryptocurrency, and we're going to get into the conservative treehouse expose on how 
we're looking uh, to data mine ballots rather than appeal to voters, which is why we don't have debates anymore, why Democrats don't campaign, why Democrats don't hold rallies, because they're not interested in winning over the hearts and minds of people. They're interested in mining for ballots, and they got it rigged with the illegal campaign donations and the billions of dollars coming from cryptocurrency accounts that are tied to foreign policy aid all around the world, like in Ukraine, where billions of dollars are going out. The money's getting parked into a crypto account like FTX, and Democrat operatives are then taking that money out of the crypto, donating it to campaigns. And then it doesn't help that you have someone like Cocaine Mitch McConnell uh, taking $9 million off, off of the, out of the pocket of Blake Masters and giving it to Lisa Murkowski, who's fighting against another Trump candidate, a MAGA candidate called uh, Kelly Chewbacca in Alaska. Why in the world would you put your money against another Republican when you're already assured a Republican's going to win that race, why in the world would you do that if you're Mitch McConnell? And should he get the leadership? And shame on, uh, shame on jo- uh, uh, Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Shame on Tom Car- Cotton. You know what he did? He endorsed Mitch McConnell to be the leader for leadership in the Senate. I think that's outrageous that he did that. Outrageous. And Biggs is going to be running against McCarthy in the House. But there's a reason why they want to have these leadership votes in the House and in the Senate early on. Because I would imagine that so far, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are still congressmen up until... Probably the January 3rd, right? Until the new Congress is sworn in. So right now they're just elect. So I would imagine there's going to be some funky business and shenanigans going on again. But let's take a listen to um, Carrie Lake. This was an interview she gave yesterday to Maria Bartiroma. Well, we have election season here. We start voting about a month before Election Day, and and we keep counting after Election Day forever. And we're in the process of still counting the votes. And there are about 300,000 ballots that have not been counted. This is according to the county recorder, many of them in Maricopa County. And they are from heavy, very heavy Republican areas. So we're waiting for the vote to be counted. You know, I I consider someone's vote their voice. I think of it as a sacred vote and it's being trampled the way we run our elections in Arizona. I've been sounding the alarm for two years. Nothing got done. Very little got done last legislative session. And we need to get in there and restore faith in our elections. We can't be the laughing stock of elections anymore here in Arizona. And when I'm governor, I will not allow it. I just won't. Well, and that was a really good interview. That's the part I wanted to hear. And um, also, uh, to that point, Charlie Kirk put this together. He lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. He said, tonight's pending Maricopa drop explained of Carrie Lake. If Carrie Lake gets 64%, she's in the driver's seat and Hobbs has almost no path to victory. 
I mean, they got this down to a science. He says if Carrie Lake gets 57% to 64%, she's in a great spot and suing drops should only get better. If Carrie Lake gets under 57% tonight, it will be tough but not impossible for her to overcome it with the remaining ballots to be counted. It just depends how much below that mark she hits. 90,000 of the ballots remaining in Maricopa are from R plus 20 districts that Kerry did well in on Election Day. 70,000 from purple districts that Kerry did rather well in on Election Day. We have no way to determine how tonight will be weighted between the two groups. Pima County, for example, still has outstanding Election Day drop-offs, the same batch Trump won in 2020, and which Kerry could end up winning in the final drop, but Pima remains an X factor. Either way, tonight will tell us a lot. So uh, they did close the gap, but here's the problem. This is a problem. Breaking, so this is over the Gateway Pundit. Breaking, Maricopa drops shocking Sunday numbers. Claim only 54% for Kerry Lake from Election Day. And independence went to Hobbs. Steel is on. That doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's a, you know, and it's not transparent, this process. And now here's the one, here's the one that I think is even more impossible. Despite only 17% Democrat turnout on Election Day, Katie Hobbs and Democrats are winning over 50% of Maricopa County's Election Day totals. So, on election night at 8 p.m., Uplift Data released its final hourly results on the Arizona and Maricopa County elections. Throughout the election cycle, Uplift posted the latest updates on mail-in ballots counts on its website as ballots arrived in the week's leading up to the election day. This was a great tool for Democrats to understand the real-time results. On election day, Uplift tracked the hourly reported results from precincts across Maricopa County. When the polls closed at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, Uplift released its final analysis from the day. Maricopa County turnout numbers on election day. At 8 p.m., Republicans received 52.7% of the vote. Other received 30.7, and Democrats received 16.6% of the vote. The other categories, likely independents leading Republican, leaning Republican and Republican voters who refused to talk to liberal pollsters. Here's the uplift final data count. Okay, so they have this final data count where 17% of Democrats showed up and 52.7% of Republicans showed up. And then there's this other that's 30%. And nobody really knows what that is. So go figure on that. How in the world are you only getting 54%? That doesn't make any sense. That means all the Democrats voted for Katie Hobbs and virtually all the others voted for Katie Hobbs. That does not make any sense whatsoever. So... Um, it's looking like there's a fix that's in. 
I mean, they're squeezing it out almost perfectly for the other team. But we have to look at things a little differently as well. Um, We have to reevaluate and reassess the leadership in Congress. And um, let's take a listen to this right here. This is Stephen Miller. And he's going to give three reasons why the Republicans underperformed. Let's take a listen. There's three very important considerations to understand what happened. Republicans won the popular vote by between five to six million votes. We'll see what that ultimately comes down to, but about a four percentage point edge. So the first question you ask is, how is it possible on a national basis for millions more ballots to be cast for Republicans overall, but to lose the Senate and to have a cliffhanger in the House? And the biggest and number one reason for that is Democrat mastery of mail-in balloting, vote harvesting, and the machinery of the early vote in these states where they're voting for weeks, if not months, before the election. So in very tight swing states, where it's going to be decided by a few percentage points, they can swing the outcome by collecting ballots in extremely low-propensity areas and with extremely low propensity voters and bank those ballots long before election day ever happens. There's no such thing as election day anymore. Take, for example, a case like Pennsylvania to be concrete about this. So Oz leaves a bruising and bloody primary. And as is normal, what happens when you leave a bruising and bloody primary, you're going to be down in the polls against your general election opponent. So what happens? Early voting starts Harvesting starts. Unsolicited mail-in ballots are sent out for weeks when Oz is behind in the polls. When he's 10 down and then 5 down and then 3 down and then 2 down. When he has the debate and he wins and he comes up ahead on election day, it's too late. The old rules, the old horse race that you and I and our our viewers today follow their whole lives doesn't apply anymore. When the Republican candidate closes strong, it's too late. That's reason number one. So election day is no longer election day. That's number one. What's number two? The financial disparity between the Democrats and Republicans is still enormous, particularly at the top of the ticket. Here I'll use Arizona as the example. Blake Masters left his primary, again, a long and difficult primary as they often are, and Mark Kelly had a $55 million campaign war chest. Plus outside groups, they drowned Blake in the first month with $30 million in negative ads before Blake even had his first ad on TV. And in this context, we have to note the extraordinarily fateful decision on the part of the Senate Leadership Fund and Mitch McConnell to take the money that should have been spent in Arizona to get Blake up on TV early on and instead give it to Lisa Murkowski for a Republican battle against the Republican-backed nominee in Alaska. And if you want to find one state where that extra six to nine million dollars would have been the difference maker, that's it, Arizona. The disparity at the top of the ticket was crushing for our candidates. Yeah, that's a great point. So the money that he spent for Lisa Murkowski should have gone to Arizona behind Blake Masters. Okay, money number two. Number three, what's the third N- issue? Number three is the need to win independent voters by seizing on winning wedge issues and fighting for them with every breath that you have. Democrats do this, Republicans don't. 
Look at, for example, the abortion issue, all right? Democrats don't need it to be a majority issue. They just need it to be an issue that they can target and activate the right voters with, with overwhelming enthusiasm. Every single voter in this country who cares about abortion knows with certainty that if Democrats get the House and the Senate, they will codify abortion on demand through nine months. And they know it. They absolutely know it. By contrast, is there any voter in this country who believes that if Republicans won the House and the Senate, that they would immediately shut down the border crisis, that they would move heaven and earth, shut the government down if they had to, to seal up that southern border, to save this country from open borders. Nobody believes that. But unlike abortion, that is an 80-20 issue. And so is crime. That's an 80-20 issue. And so is gender. 80-20 issues. But if you just have them as election day talking points, you're not going to break through the funding disparity. You're not going to break through the media bias. You're not going to break through to independent voters. You're not going to break through to any human being alive in a swing state. And so you're going to lose these close races because the Republican brand set by Mitch McConnell on down is not exciting, is not persuasive, is not convincing to voters. Really important analysis there. Very well done. I got to get your take before you go what this means for 2024 and what this means for leadership. They're going to be having elections this upcoming week in the Senate. A number of senators said, whoa, 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 this is too early. Ron Johnson is going to be with us coming up. Rick Scott is going to be with us coming up. Uh, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz tweeted, let's push off the elections uh, for the leadership. What is your take? I unequivocally associate myself with the senators that you just mentioned. It would be preposterous to hold leadership elections before the midterms are over, before Georgia is done, and before we have all the data to understand what happened in these close swing states and its effects all the way down the ballot. And to your other question, what needs to happen is that Senate Republicans who have the power of the filibuster and therefore can put Democrats on defense in that body, they need to have a clear understanding of what are the three or four issues that they are going to fight for tooth and nail every single day so that even a voter who doesn't follow news, who doesn't pay attention to Washington, even that voter will be reached by the understanding of what what Republicans care about and what they are willing to fight. So, you know, uh, he also mentioned the filibuster there uh, where the the Republicans have the benefit of a filibuster and the filibuster would require that you get to 60 votes in order to pass big things and if if uh, we were to if the Republicans were to lose the Georgia seat right now we're 50-50 and apparently there's this understanding where you have co-chairs in the Senate because it's 50-50 but if the Democrats get 51, uh, they're not going to need Joe Manchin's vote anymore. Joe Manchin was a blocker for issues like Supreme Court packing for um, other things. And just, you know, uh, they were going through the numbers and the Republicans own the issues. They owned four out of the five issues. The only one that they struggled on was was the no exceptions on abortion issue. And as I said, that would have been an easy argument to win. 
All the Republicans would have had to do is point the finger into the face of the Democrat challenger or opponent of theirs and said, you support infanticide, prove me wrong. And as soon as they did that, they would either, A, come out in support of infanticide because most of the candidates were actually supportive of no laws whatsoever getting between the doctor and the patient which means they could engage in infanticide and that would have been okay for the Democrats. That would have alienated them to about 80% of Americans' voters. That's number one. Number two, if they equivocated on that and if they came back and said, oh, I don't support infanticide, what do you support then? Now they'd be held accountable for what they support. And at that point, they'd still alienate the right because they would be extreme. And secondly, they would alienate their base because they wouldn't be extreme enough. So they would have lost on that issue. It was an easy issue to win. All it required was a little strategy. And they didn't do it. Sadly. There, and and you, know, you, just have to, you just have to question the leadership here. Uh, Molly Hemingway also gave uh, some analysis on this. Republican leadership really failed Republican voters. Let's take a listen. We really did see, given all the enthusiasm that was in the country, that Republican leadership really failed Republican voters. Republican voters were excited. The the ground was very fertile for a big Republican victory. Joe Biden's approval is in the toilet. Uh, 75% of the country thinks we're going in the wrong direction. Just objectively speaking, things are bad in the country, whether it's the southern border or crime or foreign policy, inflation. And that Republican leaders could not turn that into a big victory for Republicans really is an indictment of how they're running things. That elections are not run anymore like they were in the 1980s. There is now extensive period of voting where people who are smart are running get out the vote operations every day, hauling in ballots every day. Republicans keep on thinking that election day is a single day and they think if they get everybody excited for that last day that that will be sufficient. That is not sufficient. There needs to be an effective ground game that is on Republican leadership and there's only so much that everybody else can do with their enthusiasm and everything else. That's so true. You know, I think that uh, Carrie Lake actually touched upon that, and I'm going to try to get that piece. Let's see. Let's see. Their ballot. People are going to say, right people are going to say, forget it, I'm done. I'm not right. going to keep driving. Listen I mean, to this. We knew, we knew when Election Day was. We've known it for years. It's pretty much set in stone. It's like, it's like showing up for the Super Bowl, not ready. They had machines. 26% of the printers or of the machines, tabulating machines, weren't working. We had a third of our polling places with either machines that were down or printers that had no toner or low toner in them. And then we had people putting their ballot into door three, as they call it, because the machines weren't working. And we found out some of those that were to be counted got mixed with votes that were already counted. It is just, it's embarrassing. It's wrong. And we need people who are competent running our elections. This incompetency or maladministration is outrageous. And I think the the good thing is that more people are waking up to the fact that Arizona 
has real troubles when it comes to elections. But well, I'm willing to wait until every vote is counted. I, don't, I think every candidate should wait until every vote is counted. Well, when will that be? When do you expect uh, some answers here? Well, we've got people very wishy-washy. They said Monday, and then I heard them say maybe Tuesday, well, perhaps Wednesday. You know, I, I think we just have to wait and let these guys get their act together and count them. I'm hoping that we'll have some answers on Monday, but, you know, God is giving us a great lesson in patience right now, Maria. Well, Maricopa officials sent Fox a statement, so I'll put that statement up as uh, we are also asking why it is uh, possible that we're in day five and we still do not know. They say they're being transparent. We have spent a significant amount of time and resources trying to educate voters about the process. But I guess my question to you, Carrie, is, is it is it true that your opponent, Katie Hobbs, is actually in charge of elections? I mean, she's the secretary of state, right? So is she, at the end of uh -huh. the day, the one who's in charge of an election that involves her? Uh, partially, yes. She has. Well, she will be the one that would certify the election. She has a lot to do with uh, registration, voter registration, all kinds of things, the voter rolls, and uh, advising counties on how many ballots they'll need and such. But well, I why think didn't she, she recuse herself? Why didn't she recuse herself? She's in she's part of the election. That's a very good question. And we called for her to recuse herself July of last year of 2021, right after we got into the race, recognizing that there's a major ethical problem there. Obviously, just uh, the optics of it looks bad. And she didn't do that, even though many people have been calling for her to recuse herself. It creates problems, to say the, the least. All right, Carrie, real quick before you go, your priority has been the border, uh, obviously. Yeah, we, she's she's going to do great things if she gets uh, power, and we know that. Um, all right, so I have uh, some other th issues I want to talk about here. Um, number one, you know, there's a lot of outside influence that's financing uh, this situation. Um, and uh, I'm going to take a listen to Russell Brands, his... Uh, his his thing, but first we're going to listen to Klaus Schwab. He's a globalist, World Economic Forum, talking about penetrating the cabinets. When I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, president of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was a at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy right. form. And that's true in Argentina, too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina, and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, with a young global leader, but... So, you know, they're prideful of infiltrating the cabinets with their globalism. And, you know, uh, then you got the UK now, uh, really big on cryptocurrency. Let's take a listen to Russell Brand's uh, comedy sketch really about uh, Sunak, Rishi Sunak. 
Central Bank Digital Currencies, CBDCs. Central Bank Digital Currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote. <laughs> I like it, because they've got a broad concept. Uh, hmm, what if this person's an idiot? Which we think that they are. It's like a digital... You're digital... Ah, hold on. You will own nothing. That could be used alongside physical notes and coins. For now, till we phase them out, if you start any little trucker protests, oh, where's my money gone? The digital piggy bank is broken, I'm afraid. Start being a bit more cooperative. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. That's good, a central bank. Nothing wrong with centralised authority, centralised power, globalist decrees coming down from on high, avoiding democracy. That's exactly what we want. Keep talking. And governments and central banks across the world are working together. Oh, really? They're working together? Well, that's just such great news. The IMF, the World Bank. Why don't we involve the WEF and the WHO? What we need are unelected global bodies that have been able to co-opt political power, respond to financial power, and ignore and oppress ordinary people. Whether it's the recent medical emergency or the cost of living crisis, we're seeing the benefits all around us. I can't wait for your next policy. You're going to take our money now. This is great. Looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. I think I know what it means in practice. More power for you, no power for us. This includes issues that people care about, such as ensuring users' money would be safe and secure, that it could work with other ways to pay, would be energy efficient. Oh, it's got to be energy efficient. I was about to say, is it energy efficient? <laughs> is it energy efficient? I've got to make sure. Oh, a few other questions. You wouldn't use this ever, would you, to implement control or to advance social credit type systems or to shut down the bank accounts of people you disagree with or to surveil people and have a surveillance network that you've developed in conjunction with big tech and now a financial arm that you're developing so that you can lock step together and gridlock us in a digital prison of surveillance tyranny. That's just, just off the top of yeah, no, that wouldn't happen, would it? <laughs> it's happening already, right? It already is happening. Glenn Greenwald put together a uh, Twitter thread, and it's pretty good. Um, let's take a look. Uh, I'm going to actually read it. Uh, it says, Is it at all strange that a brand new and opaque voting system was implemented in the name of COVID? People are trained to think it's normal to take not days, but weeks to count votes, and candidates are required to concede when the media says so, not when the votes are counted. I'm not stating or implying there's fraud in this election. I've seen no evidence of it, according to Glenn Greenwald. But when the planet's richest country purposely implements a voting system that takes weeks to count votes and votes appear from all corners of course that will foster rational distrust the most surreal part of the that uh, of it is that the people who claim to embody democracy who tell you the only way to save democracy is to vote how they tell you are the ones who defend this anyone asking questions about why this takes so long and so chaotic, it's so chaotic is somehow anti-democracy. And the other, other, other arrogance of the people who can't manage to count votes until more than a week elapses, the contempt they have for the public when asking why this takes so long 
and is so chaotic will only make it worse. Of course, this breeds distrust. And uh, it says, it says here, watch this marvel at how easy it is to train part of the American population, the super enlightened liberal class, to believe that there was always unthinkable, that was what was always unthinkable and unacceptable is, in fact, totally normal and has been. So let's take a listen to the, in 2016, the New York Times did a video on how crazy it was to not have the results of an election on the day of the election. Six years later, they have conditioned Americans to believe that winners can't be determined on election day. My big concern is globalism doesn't work without America. The Paris Accord didn't work when Trump pulled out of it. And the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, didn't work when America pulled out. China said, well, this is pointless, right? So um, next thing you know, uh, you know that Klaus Schwab needs American might and American dollars and American uh, productivity to be to participate in order for any globalist agenda to work. You need American participation. And once the globalists and the, the uh, globalist movement gets larger than any one country, right now it's not. It's not big enough. America has too much leverage. And that's why someone like a Donald Trump threatens the whole thing. Because he doesn't like globalism. He wants to get out of it. And once globalism starts to take effect, you're going to be bullied like uh, Greece is or Ireland or Italy. They get bullied by the European Union now and NATO, um, pushed around and told to say things that they normally wouldn't want to say if they're to you know, participate or not be ousted. Let's take a listen to this. Uh, this is Jeffrey Tubin. The one thing no one expected in a presidential campaign is that we wouldn't know who won on election day. Count our votes! Count our votes! So this was uh, going back to a video clip from 2000's election, is what that was talking about. So... Yeah, of course, now we're conditioned to think completely differently. All right, so we got this one. Um, Democrats changed the way we do elections in 2020, giving themselves weeks, months to canvas ghettos, nursing homes, etc., squeezing ballots out of extreme low propensity voters who don't even know who's on the ballot. It's a fundamentally different political decision-making system. People are calling for the GOP to get with the program. But it's a system that fundamentally favors urban party machines because it's easier to ballot harvest from an apartment block than in than it is driving uh, country roads. Florida is supposedly purple state where none of this is allowed. And we just saw what happens there. GOP state parties should replicate Florida's rules everywhere they have power. And do they and do what they can make up the, to make up the difference in states where they don't? So, like Arizona is a good example of that, where if they were practicing this Floridian style of vote canvassing um, and set of vote rules, it would probably end up a lot more like Florida. 
Um, there's just no way that you're getting the turnout that the Democrats are getting without, you know, this whole ballot harvesting thing. Like I said, these ballots are getting mailed out um, whether the person requests it or not. It used to be an absentee ballot was needed to be requested and approved through a process. Now, all these ballots are getting sent out in the mail. It's costing it costs a lot of money to do that as well. And all these ballots are then being picked up. And and basically you're getting like an 85% vote turnout from the Democrat base that would not be enthused by high inflation. They would not be enthused by, uh, enthused by Joe Biden. Right? Joe Biden couldn't enthuse. He couldn't, he couldn't turn you know, on a light bulb, let alone turn on a voter. So, you know, the, the thing is, is that they're getting this dramatic turnout uh, and they have a whole ballot harvesting scheme. It's targeting ballots, not voters, not value systems, not people. And we need to put a stop to this. We need paper balloting. We need people to show up on Election Day. We can't have one month of voting and we can't allow for people to make corrections and calculate and count their votes five days after an election. Now, people need, if, if they want a voting holiday, then we should have a holiday. Election day should be a holiday. That way there's no excuses that people have to go out and work or what have you. It should be an honor, honored time tradition. And we should be able to go out and vote. And there should just be more precincts. And more uh, places to go vote. But we need one day, not, not many days, so that people could tweak and adjust uh, you know, the counts. So we need that. We need paper ballots. We cannot rely on these uh, systems that don't execute change of, chain of custody and that are completely opaque. We need open, transparent systems paper ballots, and count them on the day of. Vote on the day of. And make it so voters can't be bought. So they have to pull a curtain and they have to show up and show an ID. That's the only way we're going to have fair elections that people can trust. When people stop uh, failing to believe that the elections are free and fair, well, that's game over for democracy or our republic. Well, be sure to check out our gold partner. Uh, that's Genesis Gold over at 1-800-385-4653. That's 1-800-385-GOLD. Also, check out tacticalcivics.com to find out how you can take your country back locally. If you want, make a donation over at magapack.org to support America First policies to make America great again. And also use Red State as your promo code over at mypillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Thank you all for listening to The Scott Adams Show. Deeper, and grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.